and welcome once again to the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Hi there, John, and hi there, everybody out there in podcast land. Very interesting week that we've had in the political world, um, huh. and and in not. Um, let's uh, jump right into our first topic, um, which is kind of politically related, and it's just kind of scandalous. Um, but it's the uh, Jeff Bezos scandal, which has now recently come out that the National Enquirer tried to blackmail him in certain ways, or they had some other uh, risque photos, I guess is a nice way to put it. Um, Karen, that's one that really, um, it, it, you, it seems like you wouldn't want to try to blackmail a billionaire and also the guy who owns the Washington Post. Right. Well, Bezos isn't just a billionaire. He's the richest man on earth now. Look, we are we are having a huge debate these days, as we should, about you know the one percent and the, the ungainly amount of power they have over so many things. Uh, in general, inequality. Now, Bezos, none of this started with Bezos; it won't end with him. Uh, look, the man came up with a brilliant idea for shopping twenty something years ago, and it has paid off handsomely. And I say this is somebody who doesn't use Amazon all that much, um, but this whole Scandal, I mean, it's fair to call it that, incorporates not only just the seediness of the blackmail, and also we should mention Bezos and his wife of 25 years are divorcing. Now, that's that's certainly unfortunate. Uh, there are There had been rumors for some time that Bezos was having an affair on her. You know, not cool, if that's really the truth. As, you know, I don't think Mrs. Bezos has said anything publicly, and uh, I guess Bezos himself has been somewhat elusive about it. Um, and so, you know, you, if you've got that whole gossip angle, but now what we're dealing with, with his allegations against, you know, <laughs> what a perfect last name for the head of the Enquirer, Hacker, right? <laughs> Good grief. I mean, the, the headlines, and if somebody has seen the cover of New York Post today, I, I won't go into it, but, you know, yeah, we were headed that way. <sighs> but for him to be doing this, and given his connections to Donald Trump, and if what Bezos is alleging is true, that basically, you know, AMA, AMI said to him, we will release these pictures unless you do X, Y, and Z in terms of maybe backing off on your investigation regarding us and how close we were getting to, well, for starters, and if I'm wrong on something here, let me know, the Saudi government, uh, because and not too long ago, the Enquirer had a really weird special edition in its regular rag about the Saudi government with this glowing profile of Mohammed bin Sultan, who, let's just refresh people, many believe, with strong evidence, approved the murder of Jamal Khashoggi uh -huh. back in October. Um, that's just not something a credible world leader does on a regular basis, now is it? So, never end, of course, you know, the Washington Post has been very tough in its reporting on the Trump administration. Um, the Empire, if we had a dollar for every single cover it had in story, cover story about how Hillary Clinton was Satan and Donald Trump was the second coming of the Messiah, more or less, you know, we'd all be pretty rich. There's no question where this magazine cited in terms of the presidential election, which, you know, it has a First Amendment right to do, but basically we've learned that there was an agreement of some type with the Trump campaign to do everything it could to kill any unflattering stories about him. That crosses over into another element. And it's why now, as, as we also know, uh, Pecker is in, in, as, has an agreement with the Mueller team, 
And reportedly now, if, if he's violated any of the tenets of that, he could be in real trouble, even more than he already is. So you're just, again, this is a story where you're reading it, and it, it, anybody who knows the ad for that online, speaking of online shopping, albeit a different company, just, where, you know, people's heads are exploding in the purple cloud. You're, I mean, I was reading this yesterday and absorbing it, and I still just thinking this has got to be a bad dream and I'm going to wake up any moment from now. I think that's how most of the nation is feeling. It just, again, it, it, it just, it is a something of an insane, Jack, well, I don't even want to say Jackie Collins novel. Could we say John Le Carre? I, I just sure, don't, I, think we I can. don't even know what realm this goes into. But again, it's got, Connections to the Oval Office. Yeah, it's and I more don't like, think that's any accident. You know, it's a lot like One so, Life to Live or Days of Our Lives, I think, is more of the. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I don't, it's a soap opera but with some deadly consequences here. When you consider the Saudi government uh, and what it has done, when you consider the Trump administration not wanting to hold the Saudis accountable at all for it. Um, quick thing here I want to mention. I, I mean, there are two funny things on Twitter today that I saw. It was one was from, I believe, Philip Rucker of the Washington Post. This week started with a Maroon 5 concert, <laughs> the Super Bowl. Then Ben Boscovich of Esquire, who wrote an excellent piece summarizing this whole bizarre debacle, all told this story is very 2019 and in the involves a bizarre cocktail of Bezos, Amazon, the National Enquirer, Donald Trump, an affair, nude photos, a guy named Gavin DeBecker, and Trump associate David Pecker, who is the chairman and CEO of AMI. I mean, it's funny, but it's not because of the consequences it has for our foreign policy and for the fact that you seem to have people in power who are perfectly fine with blackmailing. And, you know, Bezos made a very good point in the piece he wrote for Medium yesterday. You know, if they can do this to me or attempt to, and we all know that Bezos, candidly, is one of the most powerful people on earth. Who, who else could they harm? Somebody right. without as much money, without any power. So this is, all the chuckling aside and the seediness, this is serious business. Yeah, you know, and it and it 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 doesn't really um, make much sense. Like, yeah, I think when you know, my comments before, you know, uh, I led into uh, your comments was, why would they think that that was a good idea, and and did they really think they were going to get away with it? Um, you know, I think it is interesting that he's starting to separate. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't post um, his comments on the Washington Post. He put them in Medium to kind of make it separate from the reporting that his newspaper would do. Um, and and but just any statement, any anything post there, you know, posted there from him, you know, obviously brings attention. And you know, it 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 doesn't really make much sense. Um, but, you know, why, you know, nothing that, that it seems like David Pecker seems to be doing lately or the Inquirer does, you know, when they've gotten out of this, you know, hey, I saw an alien um, and now they're trying to do some of these other pieces um, that are really kind of like that old muckraking crowd. It's it's changed what, what happens. And, you know, we probably would never even know if it if it does lead back to, um, you know, the uh, Esquire piece has, you know, pictures of Kushner and, and folks from the Saudi royal royal family and you know, makes allusions to Trump. Um, we'll probably never know whether that really goes back there. But as you mentioned, I think the interesting thing is that Pecker's already been in the sights of uh, 
the special uh, counsel's office. And you That's know, correct. you know, what's going to come of that, or what he's doing, or what acts, you know, what they already have access to. Um, but you know, the you know, back to Bezos. Finally, you know, what was he thinking? You know, that he could ever get away mm-hmm. with doing, um, you know, uh, dick pics, as as they say they have, or you know, um, I don't know. It's just, you know. I guess, uh, you know, uh, uh, power and money corrupts, you know, and so he goes from, you know, his wife to this uh, lady who is the neighbor friend uh, divorcing her powerful agent husband um, in there, you know, and he's reliving his uh, his high school years, uh, it seems like, you know, very, um, not very mature for, for a guy like that. Um, that's just you my know, personal no, I would, opinion. I would agree. And I mean, I've heard many people say on this, you know, the Enquirer has done... The impossible. It's made people empathize with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, think about that. And again, I look, Bezos' personal behavior side, we can debate that. Um, adultery, never a good thing. However, for somebody who attempts to blackmail him is unacceptable, period. And especially if because he happens to be heading one of the most powerful newspapers, sure. if not just in this country, but in the world. And that has done, you know, one can argue with some of the editorial choices on the op-ed page, but has done a good job covering the whole nightmarish incompetence of Donald Trump and his administration. So there's just, there are a lot of elements here. I don't even think we've begun to scratch the surface of it. Um, I think it's going to get a whole lot weirder uh, from today. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, again, with, you know, with Bezos, obviously what was done was wrong. But, um, you know, uh, once you start, you know, going down that road, um, you know, somewhere along the line, whether it's when he broke up with Sanchez, um, you know, six months from now, which doesn't, you know, usually seems to happen. If you think back to, you know, Mel Gibson leaving his wife of forever for that Russian um, lady and um, then all that fell apart and all these scandals come out. You know, you just got to be smarter than that and more mature than that, I think, no matter no matter who you are. Um, oh, absolutely. Look, we've had a president who nearly lost his job 20 years ago. We have somebody in the Oval Office now who is one of the biggest degenerates ever in public life, <laughs> and his base doesn't seem to care one whit about that. So, you know, there's the personal and there's the professional, and for anybody in that world, look, you have to watch your back, and we certainly expect more of people we elect. Now, of course, that doesn't apply to Trump and the people who support him, but right. here well, we are. Well, speaking of, of, of getting more than you expect, um, there was a Supreme Court ruling this week um, where mm-hmm. uh, Chief Justice John Roberts again sided with uh, the liberal wing of the court. Um, also, when he, uh, you know, several years ago upheld Obamacare, um, you know, a guy who is not afraid, um, but it really seemed like it was more of a surprise. Um, still, even though they know that he'll he'll swing where he thinks the law is. Um, he swung this time on uh, that Louisiana abortion law, and it was it really did rock Washington, and I think every state who's thinking about doing something similar. Right. Well, the state of Louisiana had a law that would have closed all but one or two of the clinics there, uh, based on doctor admittance uh, privileges. And you know, look, abortion, as we know, for a long time has been a huge hot button issue. Uh, the Supreme Court will be the final arbiter on it if, say, Roe v. Wade or the, a similar case comes before it. Um, and so, you know, it was June Medical Services versus Gee for anybody interested in the full 
name of the case, and it was Roberts siding with the four liberal justices on this. Of course, the latest appointment to the court, Brett Kavanaugh sided with Neil Gorsuch, Samuel Alito, and Clarence Thomas. Uh, gee, what a shocker <laughs> on that. And it, it's just fascinating to me, um, because for now, you know, these clinics will remain, for now, remain open in Louisiana. So, you know, the attempt on the part of anti-choice forces or pro-life, whatever, however one wants to call them, yeah, yeah, didn't work. And but what I think it says to me, John, more than anything else about Roberts, look, this man is no liberal. We know this. And his overall record proves it. However, you do, and I'm, you know, getting into another realm here, and that's the political one, you get the very distinct sense John Roberts does not want to be known as a Republican toady, especially one of this person who's in the Oval Office now. You, I really, I, you know, I don't know if you've seen it. You know, he, he came out recently and criticized Trump publicly uh-huh. when he was attacking justices. Right. I don't ever recall him doing that. <clears throat> and certainly I'm sure he didn't agree with Barack Obama on a hell of a lot. Maybe he didn't even agree with George W. Bush on certain things. Bush was the one who named him to replace the late William Rehnquist. Uh, so you just, again, I think he wants his legacy to be something more than just a hack. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, which means he's going to roll sometimes that will piss off conservatives and other ways that will piss off liberals. I'm not, I, you know, I, I don't know of any liberal who is, you know, they're not holding their breath that he's always going to be their friend. But I think General Roberts so far has really, again, tried to prove his own independence while I suppose sticking to his personal and legal convictions. What I think is interesting, and this is a political note, is Susan Collins, who I think, frankly, last year just got played so badly on the whole Kavanaugh mess, it's not even funny, because she kept insisting she was voting for him because he would leave Roe v. Wade alone and respect precedents. Well, lo and behold, he didn't. And I don't think he's going to ever. So, and Collins is, a, is up for re-election next year, and as it is, her approval ratings in Maine are not great. And there's a lot of anger with her. So it's going to be very interesting to see how she responds to this. But I think if there's any casualties of this, she's going to be one of them, hmm. uh, especially next year. I mean, if she even still decides to run, and it's not clear she's going to seek another term, um, especially if she's got a very strong Democratic challenger like, say, Susan Rice. Uh, so, you know, it's just, this is going to have tentacles for a lot of things. Certainly, like I said, your, your abortion is still going to remain a hot button issue, um, for, you know, both ends of the spectrum. And for now, you know, women in Louisiana, should they make this extraordinarily difficult and painful decision, have access, albeit I'm sure it's not, it's still not very easy. Um, but I, again, I just... You know, it goes back to, it just goes to show that John Roberts seems to want to be his own man. And that's, that's a very, you know, that's just another very interesting development that has happened over the last few years. Yeah, and, you know, we started this uh, topic uh, talking about stepping in and rising and being representative for the people that you serve. And... Um, it is, I think, indicative and, uh, you know, a heck of a parallel to paint to uh, Donald Trump, who people had hoped when he became president, he would kind of step in and all of a sudden this 
responsibility would come over him and his ability to kind of become presidential. But it does seem like Roberts did take that leap when he became chief justice. It became one of those things like, well, here I am. I'm at the top. I don't have to play any more games. I can just do what's right and really look at what's right and what will, you know, really help people and for what, especially if things are passed by Congress um, and with Obamacare, he was able, I think, to to give them the latitude to do that. And the same thing by saying that, um, you know, you can't illegalize abortion, which is basically what you're doing in Louisiana. Um, and, and so, you know, again, he doesn't have to, um, you know, you know, do that. And I think he's kind of stepped up to that role and, you know, hurrah for all, for all of us that he did it. So. Jennifer Rubin, who's a political columnist with the Washington Post, very conservative, but a strong anti-Trumper, had a very interesting observation today. Uh, and she wrote about it uh, in, in a piece for the Washington Post. As with the eminent defeat on the wall, Trump has less and less to offer the right wing with each passing day. Perhaps they will con- reconsider the reflexive defense of him. Because, of course, that's been one of the main arguments for people trying to generalize and excuse evangelical support, for, again, for a, for a man who is just vile in his personal and his professional life, because, oh, abortion, he'll get Roe v. Wade overturned. Never mind, of course, there's been a lot of speculation swirling that Trump himself paid for more than a few abortions, and even was on the Howard Stern show some years back saying that he had told Marla Maples, his second wife, to have an abortion when she was pregnant with their daughter, Tiffany. I, I can't even imagine... What Tiffany Trump must have thought of that. Um, but, you know, again, I, I, I just, if this is a second defeat for Trump now. And while most of his base, I'm sure, will just reflexively keep jerking their knees in favor, but I suspect there might be a percentage who are starting to look at him and say, you know, this guy is not paying off at all. Yeah, well. Um... And there, again, that'd be a small percentage, but it still could matter, especially as Trump's approval ratings continue falling and. Other things are swirling around him, and his re-election chances decline. Well, so, yes, and, for whatever and, that's worth. Yeah, and that's possible. But segueing, segueing into our next topic uh, about somebody who doesn't really seem like he's stepped into the role. Um, Matthew Whitaker, the acting attorney general, um, appeared before the House Judiciary Committee today, and um, you know, Karen, and just to kind of you know put everybody, it's, you know, kind of into the room for what we're saying. I just want to let you know. I'm going to let you have your five minutes and more. I'm not going to remind you um, because that was a big thing that Whitaker today. He reminded the chairman that his five minutes were up, um, which kind of brought gasps. Um, uh, His attitude today was confrontational, I think, to say the least. Um, Seemed like he was just trying to waste the five minutes till the five minutes were up. And he played his he showed what his game was um, (laughs) when he told him that his five minutes were up. Um, Didn't want to answer a lot of questions. It seems like they're going to have him back. Um, you know, with all the rest of the investigations, I think we're going to kind of get to later. Um, but Whitaker's kind of, you know, put it on the table that it seems like, um, there's not going to be much discussion coming from the white house and Democrats are finally going to say, look, if you want to invoke executive privilege, you have to do it officially. None of this. Well, I would think the president wouldn't want me to, you better say exactly executive privilege invoked, not talking. Right. I mean, as of course, as we know, yesterday it, it was all over the news that he said he would not show up. He would only. Well, he, I should, let me say that he should only. He would only show up if he wasn't under subpoena. That he would come and answer questions because, of course, to be under subpoena means you're under oath. Although I guess 
maybe somebody can correct me on this, would he have not been under oath today still? Um, but, you know, a subpoena sort of carries more weight. And, I mean, frankly, his performance was dreadful. Uh, you know, there have been some other people that have testified recently who handled themselves much better than this guy did. He just, he proves he certainly had no business ever being a temporary AG, much less anything else. It obviously looks like, you know, he's there to basically defend Donald Trump at all costs, regardless of, of you know, violating his own responsibility to that job. And, you know, it didn't work. You know, he's tried to be a badass with Gerald Naylor. Didn't work. He, you know, the House still asked, the committee panel still asked him a lot of tough questions, even though the Republicans on it ran considerable interference. And I don't think that really worked out all that well for them this time either. Uh, I mean, he claims that, you know, he has never interfered with special counsel investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. But then he also declined to discuss whether he's really had any conversations with Trump about about the whole thing. Given that he wrote an opinion piece basically saying the president didn't, you know, could do this, he could do whatever he wanted, basically. I, I just, you find it, you, you just can't help but be highly incredulous about that. And you, you know, I, it, I think it's pretty obviously, Trump, obviously why Trump wanted this guy, who, let's just remind people, was at one time hawking toilets for men with, uh, shall we say, I big... Uh, appendages. Sorry, guys out there. I and I, I mean, I remember hearing this. And again, your jaw. How much? How many more times can can you just be like knocked over literally when you read something so insane and so bizarre? But this is where we, again, this is where we are now. Um, so here's somebody who, frankly, not impressive credentials, and he just you know he he insists he's not going to discuss his private conversations with the president. Uh -huh. Citing that right. the president could invoke executive privilege. Well, right. if he hasn't done that yet, frankly, Whitaker's, Whitaker's whole defense is irrelevant. Um, and I just, I just again, I, I'm, it's not just because I think Donald Trump is unfit for this office and has broken the law many times. I just, Whitaker, honestly, this was not a good debut for him. No. At all. He really, he did poorly. Uh, I certainly don't think he convinced any Democrats, and I, you know I think a lot of the Republicans who went to bat for him today. Again, I don't think they did him any favors either. Yeah, he's probably going to be um, back um, in his prior profession at some point, unless you know Fox News decides to bring him back, um, which is sure. how he well, got the job in the first place. But it just you know, this doesn't seem like this guy's. Look, Jeff Sessions was a much better AG. So what, oh, I mean, oh, here's yeah. where we are, and you know now we have William Barr, who's the one Trump wants to replace Whitaker. You know that he's gone through the full Senate Judiciary Committee today. They and he's up for a vote later this month. You know, right. But the odds of him getting approved they're, they're strong, given the Republicans run the Senate. But uh, again, I think this whole embarrassing affair today, I don't think that really helps him either. So you know, if this is who Trump wanted to be, his you know wanted as his attack dog, that was sure a waste of his money and time. So, or should uh, I say our money? Yeah, exactly. So you know, Whitaker gives an underwhelming performance today to wrap up the Trump week, um, which on um, really kind of started 
Monday, Tuesday, um, and then with the State of the Union, and it was a big deal um, that they had the inauguration scandal launched from this uh, Southern District of New York, and then Trump gave his State of the Union address, which um, was odd on many levels. There was the um, him telling uh, the Democratic women they weren't supposed to do that, um, from him not really waiting for Pelosi to um, uh, introduce him, although um, she tried to downplay that because, you know, why argue over uh, one bean that hits the floor when he's uh, stealing your whole home? Um, but um, it was it was a heck of a day, um, and his speech was... You know, one of those, he was going from one point to the other, um, really tried to um, repaint the narrative, I think, by saying, hey, I want unity, now you don't. Um, But it does seem like, you know, that's already water under the bridge. No one's really going to believe that, especially how fast he then pivoted again to being attacking. And and he knew that all the investigations were going to come later in the week, which is going to be our next topic exactly, you know, the uh, 10 committees that are launching investigations. But he knew what was on the way. He tried to get out in front and um, didn't seem to really move anybody um, at all. Whoever was already in their camps, they're already there. But some very odd moments. Um, at least no one yelled "You lie!" Um, out from the uh, from the audience. Um, that's about the only good thing I could think of that came out of that State of the Union. Right. I, again, you know, his look. At the end of the day, I'm sorry, Donald Trump can make these kinds of statements that he's going for unity and he's going to do this and that. He will never live up to any of it. He will never follow through on any of it. Any of it. The only two things that are going, he's going to do are to, you know, limit, uh, you know, have more abortion restrictions where he thinks he can get them because he went on this bizarre rant about that. Uh, and then try to get this wall built because he's got to keep his base in line. If he starts losing enough of them, he's going to be in really big trouble. He already is in trouble, but this is going to get worse for him. Uh, you know, he, he claimed, for example, you know, we secured $100 billion in increase in defense from NATO allies in spending. Well, he's referring to the commitment by NATO members to spend at least 2%. Now, and that, 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 that number was actually done or, or proposed by the Obama administration. And Trump has been virulently anti-NATO since day one. And for him to talk about him, you know, that he somehow has anything to do with this is just utter bullshit. Um, he's woefully ignorant about NATO to begin with, and you know he doesn't want to be part of it because they're one of the only other things keeping Russia in line. And of course, he just keeps insisting that you know he lied about getting the border wall built. None of it, no new miles of barrier have been completed since he took over. Uh, as we know, recently Nancy Pelosi dog walked him to quote Cardi B uh, on this whole thing. After a month and a half, you know, a month long shutdown, which he still didn't get his money. But again, he's got to harp on that because that's all he's got. What's interesting, too, is him talking about how he welcomes more immigration. But, you know, his administration has taken a lot of steps to limit Mm -hmm. legal immigration. So, you know, he's making this, this noise, I guess, to perhaps win over some independents who, you know, aren't thrilled about him to begin with. But while he's doing that, that's certainly going to pick piss off the base. Yeah, and there was... we know really they don't want any immigrants of any kind. I, generally speaking, now some may, but that is just that is this racial undertone that this man has taken throughout his tenure, and, and then he's trying to walk it back. Well, 
too late. Yeah, Nobody's was, buying that. Yeah, there were some uh, some omissions. There was, you know, I mean, his border wall um, uh, argument was the same. Um, and I think it would just kind of fell on deaf ears. Everybody's just like the same old, same old again. I mean, come on, you know, everybody knows that, you know, there's a lot of things to do at the border, but just building more wall is probably not the best idea. Um, well, no, it, it isn't. And then another thing he's talking about, you know, he somehow feigns compassion for those coming here illegally and for asylum seekers. Well, none of his actual actions show that he gives a damn about these people. We've just learned the other day, this administration has done absolutely nothing uh-huh. for the most part to reunite the migrant children who were taken from their right. parents. And there's a very good bet, John, probably they're never going to see their parents again. Yeah. And it's... Or, I, I, you, you just, that is absolutely, it is evil. Yeah. There is no other word for it. I don't, you know, I, people claim that, oh, well, the Obama and Bush administration did the same. No, they did not. That is a lie. This, this is just a cruel, horrible thing that Trump approves of because, again, it keeps part of his base happy. It is sick and disgusting and despicable. And still and the I, loss I, I, of... I, if you know, if, obviously, if, I feel strongly about it. And if we care so much about the humanitarian side, like we've talked on this podcast plenty of times, you have to look at what's driving this migration because people don't leave their countries That's if right. they're in good shape. And if you're really worried about these people... Um, we can save that money um, for the border wall um, for that down payment um, of thirty billion plus, because we also know that that would probably end up being closer to one trillion dollars if you tried to do um, any kind of serious barrier. Um, I think they were already near a hundred billion for just the fences that they built that weren't um, just steel slats and materials they took from other places. Um, but you know, one of the things that I think has kind of been missed. Um, in the in the high level is what you know when he talks about what they're doing at the border um and already have been doing is what's been going on in nogales and what has gone on in some areas in texas where they're putting all that concertina wire now i mean in nogales they're doing it from the top of the fence all the way down to the bottom and 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 the city is up in arms and trying to figure out what they can do with this i mean you were talking about um a very dangerous situation um you know anything could happen why would we militarize it to that level and especially on the u.s side where we could hurt u.s citizens i mean obviously the mexican government would never put it you know it would never go along because they'd have to put it on their side um but it's just you know those images i think we've both been to nogales um yes and those images of it running for a long time and you have concertina wire from the top of that 10-foot fence all the way down to the bottom is very disconcerting, and I don't know why more people aren't making a big deal out of it. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, and by the way, law enforcement down there isn't crazy about this idea either. Uh, and, you know, Trump touts his, uh, you know, ironclad support from, from border law enforcement. Well, it's not quite as ironclad as he claims. A lot of them don't like this. Uh, you know, I, I sent a personal note, which look, has nothing to do with what's going on right now. You know, when I lived in Southeast Arizona, my husband and I traveled to Nogales, you know, from Nogales, Arizona, when we spent a lot of time in that city as well, to Nogales, Mexico. And it was never anything, John, but a very safe and pleasant and enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. And, I, this, you know, this wasn't that long ago, okay? Obviously, illegal immigration was still a problem then. Um, some of the same problems you know, that we still have with U.S. and Mexico have with each other existed, but somehow we were able to do this to interact with people, be treated well, you know, spend our money on both sides of the border happily, 
without the, the aid of concertina wire. Um, so, it, you know, this is just a ludicrous, again, another ludicrous, ludicrous pr- proposal from him because he has to do something to kind of divert his base from the fact he really hasn't made any progress on getting this wall built. Uh, you know, it's not fooling anybody but the people it's fooling. Um, I just thought, you know, I think in general, just again, this was State of the Union where Trump wanted to be taken more seriously. And maybe he lied a little less than he normally does. But again, I, I think with him, it's just too late. The damage is done. And I, I just don't think he's ever going to be able to fix it. I don't think he's ever going to win over voters outside of his base and maybe, you know, 5% roughly of people who don't usually have any political affiliation. I just, you know, I just don't think he did that the other day at all. Um, let's go to what happened um, earlier in that day where the uh, special district of New York said that they were going to be investigating the inaugural committee led by Thomas Barack, who gained, uh, I think they, they, uh, uh, collected a hundred million dollars, I think it was, in order for the inauguration, and people are wondering where all that money went. Um, an, uh, you know, another thing he didn't mention at the State of the Union just said, "Don't investigate me." He didn't answer anything. They basically uh, threatened them. I mean, again, you know, I'll be nice to me, please, or else. Well, yeah, that might work in your weird little mafia upped world of New York real estate. It's not how it works in Washington. Okay, and by the, I mean, you know, Bill Clinton made a State of the Union speech while he was you know, facing very serious charges, obviously, in the Wolinsky scandal. He didn't do that. You know, Bush, even though, you know, it never got really to the realm of impeachment for him towards the end of his second term, he didn't do that. I mean, Nixon, the only one who did it, who kind of made comments about it, was Richard Nixon. And we know how that ended. So, you know, that's another, uh, it, it was just a big bomb to hit. Um, it could, you know, who it could ensnare. Um, anybody from, you know, Trump's family to Barack to, um, uh, you know, it could, it could, who knows where it's going to end up going. Um, but there's obviously going to be, um, more charges levied, um, for this. And and it seems like, um, the issues that Trump either is going to face while he's president or after his presidency ends, um, will not be limited. Um, that it's just going to go on and on and we're going to, um, and the way it's looking, you know, you never know what's going to end, end up happening. Um, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Barack, um, who knows this, the Saudis very well, is worth more than a billion himself. Um, I don't see that, that he's going to give all that up uh, to defend Trump at some point. So you never know what's going to happen. But that seems like big time trouble for Donald Trump, uh, more than right. people even understand. I yeah. think at this point, it's even more important than what's going on in Washington right now, because it could take well, his freedom away. Yeah. And one of the things, Dad, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. Rick Gates, the former Trump campaign aide who helped run the inaugural committee, of course, struck a deal with the Mueller team in February. According to a Vox report, he's also cooperating with the uh, New York state prosecutors. Um, and that's also according to the Wall Street Journal. Michael Cohen, a name we all know now, who also did fundraising for the inaugural. Apparently all of these people were involved in this. I guess uh, they well, just didn't have one job, right? A lot of beaks uh, for a big puddle. <laughs> it's, it's now it's not a very big puddle. Now, it's not clear he's helping out with this. We all, you know, he's already got his world of hurt. Um, and uh, may or may not be testifying before Congress in the near future regarding this whole mess. But, uh, you know, again, 
just the, 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 the seediness and the corruption of Donald Trump, it just seems to infect everything, <clears throat> excuse me, including his inaugural. And again, we've had presidents, some of whom were better than others, more popular than others. I can't ever recall a president having this kind of problem with his inaugural. Okay, they had them, they raised the money, they did things by the book, everybody got paid, they had the parties, president was in office, we all move on. But again, because this is just such a venal, unscrupulous individual at the helm in the center of all of this, somehow you're not surprised. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's still unfortunate, and it certainly there needs to be a full and thorough investigation of this. And, and Alan Weisselberg, I think, is another important name in this whole thing. He was talking to Mueller um, uh, in the uh, – yeah, he was given immunity in August. I think he's he was cooperating all the way through um, th- to December. Uh, he's the Trump uh, Organization CFO. Um, who knows what's going to happen with that, but, um, you know – uh, it's going to be an interesting um, several uh, uh, few months here um, to find out what SDNY ends up doing as this case progresses. Um, let's move on from that investigation to then what happened at the State of the Union where Trump was saying there can be no peace and legislation if there's war and investigation. Um, yeah, I thought that was a clever little line. So then on it? Thursday, the uh, House, uh, uh, 10 House committees launch investigations. Um, right. I mean, <laughs> and, and, you know, again, it was just, it was a veiled, sort of a veiled threat and almost kind of a pathetic plea. Uh, you know, I mean, it, basically, look, on January 3rd, when the Democrats, when the Democrats were sworn in to run the House, his free ride was over. And, you know. They're not. I, I, this is something I should add because look, we've had situations in the past. Bill Clinton got impeached. The public in general was not thrilled with it, although I don't recall any major protests or anything else in his behalf. And frankly, it was very hard to feel sorry for him. Uh, there's certainly, you know, a lot of people wanted to see the George W. Bush administration held more accountable for the Iraq debacle. You know, a few things happened, but mostly they didn't. Um, and again, you had an American public, I think, who was, and I, I would add myself included, somebody uneasy with sort of a full-on impeachment hearing for, a, you know, more than a few reasons I don't want to go into. But, and there's no question again, you know, Bush's presidency in general was a disaster, and he owns most of that. He and Dick Cheney, candidly, but, you know, again, that's that's the past now. But I, I think in general the public wants to see Trump fully investigated. You, you, there was even a, a poll the other day, and I forget which from which legitimate agency, a good percentage of Republicans, they want the Mueller report made public. So, you know, and it, it, it would seem to me, I would say to a Trump supporter, if you really believe he's done nothing wrong, you should Let's welcome see all the these. evidence, right. Because if he's cleared, hey, you get the last laugh, um, which, you know, call me crazy, and I, I don't think that's going to be the case here, given the convictions we've seen already and all the other strange coincidences concerning a lot of these messes. But yeah, I mean, and I think especially with democratic voters who really already loathed Donald Trump in a way they did not loathe George W. Bush and, or, or Ronald Reagan or anyone else. Mm-hmm. They, they want this man held accountable. If it's somehow again, if he's, he's, you know, if he's uh, innocent as a, a nun, great. I, I, Again, I wouldn't hold my breath on that, but I, I think it's it's quite interesting to me right now 
that the Democrats are doing this and there just doesn't seem to be, you know, a lot of political blowback. And again, I think no matter who's doing it, be it a Republican-dominated Congress, if a Democratic president or even a Republican one, or vice versa, Democrats to Republicans, Democrats to Democrats, if they're doing the investigation based on legitimate evidence and it's being done by the book, everybody gets their fair hearing, that shouldn't be something to argue about. That is the rule of law process, and no person is above the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton was it. Richard Nixon was it. There was an Iran-Contra hearing case. Ronald Reagan, although he escaped any real punishment, but still, that was a big bruise on his tenure. Yeah, and they uh, kind of admitted that he didn't really know what was going on. They were held to account, and that should be, it should be no different with Donald Trump. Right. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. We had talked about the SDNY um, investigation, and that kind of talks about any kind of legal or jail time, um, a sentence that, that Trump might face. Um, but um, what the what the House is doing is leads down the road to possible impeachment or, um, you know, any sort of, um, you, know, you know, punishing Trump. Um, but really, it goes down the impeachment line. And it was very interesting that they added the what was, quote unquote, the interconnected lines of inquiry, um, including whether uh, Russia or other foreign actors hold financial or other leverage over Trump and his associates. Um, and that's right. where, you know, we talk about the inauguration where they're also um, interconnected because that's where they're kind of saying some of the inauguration issue came from. That was some of the bribes. Um, and if, if, you know, these things will either come out to, to um, hold water and there will be people that can come out to say that it is the way that it is or they'll be they'll turn out to be nothing. Um, and there's also that 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 broadly construed obstruction of justice. Um, um, so, you know, this is, you know, going to play itself out unseen ever in history. So, you know, let's get our popcorn and watch and, and hope that these guys are actually able to get to a bottom line here. Well, you know, I mean, again, Donald Trump is a, a despicable person. I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. Um, I just I feel sad for our nation that we're having to go through this because in the long run, this is good. Donald Trump aside, I, you know, who cares about him? But, you know, it's not good for the Republicans. It's not, you know, it's, it's not good in the long run for our America. entire institution of government that we're having to do this. But we have to. It's certainly not good for the kind of effect it has on the American people and sort of people's institutions and, and faith in institutions. Um, this is just an extraordinarily painful, awful process. But at the end of the day, you know, you want to blame somebody for it, take a long look at the guy in the White House. Yeah, and I think because that's... Because he's the culprit here in that respect. And that's the difficult part about it. You know, I mean, Trump's argument is seems to be... Well, maybe I might have done some of these things, or maybe it's not exactly what you want, but, you know, for the good of the country, just let me get away with it. And and that's not no. really the foundation <laughs> of, of what we should be doing. And I think that's the difference. Um, at least that's right. the difference that I see, is that you have to do these things. If there's a possibility of them, you have to investigate, and, and if, if needed, you have to remove the president. You need to indict his family. You need to go after these people, because that's the right thing to do. And and and, and maybe that's, like you had mentioned, the difference between New York City and Washington. Absolutely. Um, I don't care, and I don't care who the president is, if I voted for him or her. If there's legitimate evidence that he or she has done something wrong... They need to be held, held accountable, accountable. Right. period, end of story. Well, let's go over the river to Virginia, 
where <laughs> there is um, you know some some crazy stuff going on over there. You have the governor Ralph Northam oh, and the attorney general Mark Herring. They have um, the blackface issue. Um, and then you have the lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, who is accused of sexual assault. Um, it seems like uh, both Northam and Herring are admitting to doing the blackface, but saying I was just, uh, in one case, it was a Michael Jackson dance competition, um, uh, you know, whatever, a Klanman's uh, uh, outfit, too, in one of these yearbooks. Um, and Fairfax says, I didn't do it. It's an ex-girlfriend who's trying to get back at me. So here we are, you know, in this situation where across the river from Washington, D.C., you have, um, you know, Virginia, which has gone solidly blue, um, now having all of the blue statewide office holders, at least most of them, um, the most high profile, the governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general facing scandal. Um, but, it, you know, I think the biggest thing here, you know, what is playing out, I think, because at some point you let the sexual assault allegation play itself out. There is a level of investigation and um, whether there are, uh, you know, uh, indictments levied, then you can kind of, you know, writing really becomes on the wall. And, and if those things don't come and the story still won't go away and the victim still won't go away, then you have to deal with some of those things. That's at least the way I see it at this point. But with the Northam and Herring thing, um, there's no real witness. It's just, it's kind of, you know, it's like admitting to it, but then saying, hey, it was a different time and place. Crazy thing. I don't know. It's just something I, I, I never would have done. I'm not in that generation. I didn't grow up in Virginia. Um, it's just um, one of those situations, I think, that he's not going to leave. And one of the things that I think has been discussed is that, you know, he's learning from, uh, Trump and uh, the Access Hollywood and all the scandals, he just says, well, I don't care and you shouldn't care either and I'm going to survive no matter what. And these people seem to be doing that now. It's the, you know, 2019, like as they say, it's this new state of politics. How do you see it? Um, you know, I mean, I think I know your opinion on blackface um, and also on sexual assault. I think, you know, we are both solidly against those two things. But how do you see, you know, the situation that Northam and Herring are in? I mean, specifically, just kind of talked about them first. And, and and really how it's going to manifest itself with these guys um, not just automatically saying, all right, I'm moving on. Yeah, I mean, but this developed just, just, it seems a lifetime ago now, but it was just last Friday when the picture of Northam came to light. Um, first, he offered an apology. That wasn't enough. The next day, Saturday, he did the press conference. And, of course, for anybody watching it, again, it was just a complete and utter mess. And, you know, it came to the point, as we know, where he was going to try to moonwalk, as the late Michael Jackson did. His wife, uh, you know, sensibly said, don't do that. Uh, you're, and I was just watching this. I mean, it was painful. It was one of the most painful You know, that probably might not have been a I've good idea for him, observed. but I kind of really would have wanted to see that. I mean, just it's, it's, it's the rubbernecker on the highway in me, you know? I just, here's, the, look, if Ralph Thornton had come out and said, yes, that's me in the blackface. It was a terrible thing. I am deeply ashamed of it. I am not the same person I was 35 years ago, and I am committed to ensuring full civil rights for everyone and working with the African-American community everywhere I can. And I deeply apologize for all that I have harmed, and I ask the people of Virginia to give me a chance to prove to them that I am indeed a different person. 
and if they still feel at the end of the day that I can't govern effectively, I will respect that. He didn't do that. He did not. He, he didn't even think it was him in the photo. I, honestly, it was Trumpian and watching this guy <laughs> right. try to excuse himself, and it was disgusting. And, you know, it's interesting at first, Tim Kaine and Mark Warner, the two Democratic senators of the state, they sort of held their, their fire until that Saturday when they said, no, he's got to go. We're done with it. And, you know, he lost basically all main support of the Virginia Democratic establishment. Certainly Republicans don't like, so they'd be happy for him to leave. Um, that's one matter. What also, it, it, it just, again, it just shows, you know, to the people of Virginia, who, especially those who voted for Northam, who ran against Ed Gillespie in 2017, and Gillespie ran a despicable campaign uh, that was virulently racist in many cases. You know, for the people who put their faith in Northam, they have really got to feel betrayal. Um, so, you know, we're dealing with that, and then we have a lieutenant governor who many thought of as a very bright, uh, charismatic rising star, not just for Virginia, but for national politics, Justin Fairfax. Uh-huh. And, you know, these allegations have come out against him. Now, certainly, there needs to be a full investigation. And if it turns out that the woman's accusations are credible, some of them certainly seem to be that way. Then, by all accounts, you know, the lieutenant governor should step down as well, and he needs to be held accountable in the court of law. So it looks like there's some breaking news on uh, Fairfax, Karen. Yes, unfortunately, well... You know, I say that just in the general sense. I, you know, I'm not out of sympathy for him. A second woman has come forward now, according to the New York Times, accusing him of sexual assault. So this is Oof. becoming an even more serious situation. And you know, Fairfax, he needs to, he needs to explain himself. And above all, this woman should be heard. And I, I just, you know, again, what a tragedy for the people of Virginia. I, I can't even imagine how must have a lot of them. Must be feeling. In fact, Terry McAuliffe, former Virginia governor and a Democrat, has just come out saying, stating the allegations against Justin Fairfax are serious and credible. It is clear to me that he can no longer effectively serve the people of Virginia as lieutenant governor. I call for his immediate resignation. So, you know, and let's credit the Democrats for doing the right thing and, you know, demanding transparency. And I say this about a party that, I'll be honest, certainly uh, no big fan of at times. So I I think that's the only thing to do. I mean, or Fairfax needs to be able to fully explain things. I, yeah, it's you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's a real mess. It's not a big um, a lesson to learn. It really is do the right thing. Don't do these things in the first place. And if you get caught, Absolutely. admit them. I mean, it's the same things I teach my uh, 11-year-old. And, uh, you Absolutely. know, unfortunately, you have to teach it to adults, too, especially some politicians. But it's just that their their business is public. Um, as we see, um, they try to do that same, you know, kind of exposing. Everybody will go after anybody who's got any power. Um, and if you've done it, admit it. Um, you know, just admit it um, and move on and try to improve. I mean, that's just the most important thing for anybody to learn and, um, do it for the people that you're serving. Um, you know, some of these people that, um, you know, I think that, that, that at least, you know, we never know cause they didn't live under the same microscope that people uh, have to live under today, whether you're in the sports, political or acting world. Um, but, um, uh, Frank Robinson, uh, John Dingle, which kind of ties into our political profundity pro- uh, podcast and Albert Finney all died this week. Um, 
you know, all 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 three of these guys were part of the news or what I watched on television for um, and in the movie theaters for most of my um, young life. Although, you know, Frank Robinson was already retired by the time I really started watching baseball. He was definitely a, a manager who you paid attention to and people talked about Frank Robinson. It was always you know great ball player, great manager. Um uh, and so, you know, that's, that's, these things are, are, we know that, you know, this generation's leaving us and, and the one that we have, um, you know, we got to step up to, um, whether, again, whether we know all about what everything that all these people did or not, um, let's live up to their ideal. Um, you know, Finney Absolutely. had that, you know, he had that, that, that long problem with alcoholism, um, which he finally mm-hmm. was able to overcome. Um, you know, but everybody has challenges again, like we mentioned, it's what you do to overcome them. Absolutely. I mean, Robinson was a giant in his field. He broke the barrier for African-Americans in terms of managing teams. He was the only player to win an MVP in, in both, both leagues. leagues. Yeah. Uh, not too shabby. Yeah. Uh, and generally just revered in the baseball world. Uh, so, again, just an extraordinarily important person. John Dingle, the long-serving congressman from Michigan, a World War II veteran, uh, had just recently announced in, in, over the last few days that he had terminal cancer um, and then did pass on yesterday at 92. Of course, he was quite the presence on Twitter, too, never mind being known as a bulldog in Congress and fighting for health care and, and, among other things, and certainly uh, a huge player in, in many other very important uh, laws passed by Congress but and, and a very strong Trump critic. But uh, anybody who followed his Twitter feed, uh, you know, couldn't help but be amused and impressed by many of his comments. Um, certainly he's a legend in Michigan for sure, but he was absolutely a giant in the Congress. I don't, there'll never be one like him again. And, of course, Albert Finney, an actor many loved, uh, nominated for Oscars many times. I don't know if he got an honorary one. He certainly should have. My goodness, he was in films like Tom Jones and... Aaron Brockovich, which I think introduced him maybe to a newer generation. Uh-huh. Uh, I loved him in Skyfall, playing Bond's longtime Scottish right. servant, and and who was just absolutely wonderful to watch in that. Just one of the greatest actors ever, uh, and I think he he was knighted as well in Britain. Um, just somebody, you know, a beloved figure, uh, and I guess he had been ill recently as well. I you know, we all just learned of his passing. This morning, I mean, all of these live to, men live to be, uh, illness aside, a ripe old age, um, but they lived uh, amazing lives and all were at the top in their field. And I think, you know, they remain, they will remain an inspiration to many. And so, you know, as you've mentioned, people to follow by example for the gifts they did, gave us all. And for the good work, and especially in the case of, of Dingle and, and Robinson, uh, you know, and of course for Finney in terms of artistic work that they, they did, um, made them, you know, just known all over the world and beloved for that. So, exactly. so two losses this week, ones that never can be replaced. And, and, you know, for everyone else who's going through their own personal losses, um, you know, condolences for those as well. Karen, thank you Absolutely. for joining me today thank and you, talking John. about these most and, important topics. Yes, uh, another crazy week in our country. Everybody just take it easy. Don't hit the scotch too much. But um, here we are. Well, thanks, everybody, and we'll (laughs) see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.